uh, acting exactly like my kids. And I have never seen that before because I, in a way, I, I knew my kids are different. They are behaving different, but I couldn't really say what it is. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that, it really like my brain understood kind of, let's say, you know, and it was the first time that suddenly I felt all this deep pain inside me, like thinking, okay, maybe this is the reality. Maybe my kids are autistic. Since becoming a mom, my perspective as a woman has changed. I'm so proud to be a woman and I'm also so much more aware of how hard it is to be a woman. Inner wellness means nurturing my physical and mental health, leaning into my wholeness and cultivating wealth. I'm on a journey to learn about and embody inner wellness so that I can be the mother that my children deserve and to live into my potential by also healing the perfectionism, the people-pleasing, the self-loathing, the overgiving, and the imposter syndrome that I and so many women deal with. Will you join me to embrace this messy but wonderful journey and unlock the power that's stored within? Hi, my name is Linda Houston. I'm a mom, wife, daughter, business owner, and life coach. Welcome to Inner Wellness Woman. So for this week, we've got the second part of my interview with Gracia Felberg. And this is a really exciting part of our conversation because this is where she'll get into her experience of discovering that her children had autism and the journey that that happened since then and her experience with autism and also the partnership that she has with her husband is really inspiring and she gets into some of the the routines or practices and ways of communicating that they have as a couple so that's definitely some some takeaway that we can have from this conversation so without further ado let's continue the conversation with gracia felberg Yes. So what's your story of when you first understood that your children, your sons were autistic? Um, so basically it was when we went to our first um, parents meetup. Um, it was a support group for parents who have kids uh, who are autistic. And I remember it was a huge group um, of many parents. And basically each one was sharing their story, um, kind of like their sufferings or difficulties uh, they are going through. And I remember I was sitting there still not believing that my kids are autistic. But I thought, okay, let's let's see what happens. And yeah, I was kind of listening to all the stories. And I, I'm a very, let's say, emotional person in the sense that I can feel the pain and the suffering what other people are going through. So I felt very bad for them. But I still felt it was not my reality. This is not what we are going through. I mean, of course, it it was very uh, challenging um, with twins and 
maybe they couldn't do certain things, but still in my head, I it didn't click, let's say, no, that they are autistic. And then it was the very first time that after the meeting, actually some of the parents had their kids as well there. So they, they had like a nanny who was looking for them in a room. So after the meeting, um, there was in particular one boy who was like around one year older than my kids. And he was uh, kind of like jumping around the room so happily, you know, flapping his arms, etc. And somehow in that moment was the first time that it clicked in my head. And I, I thought, wow, this boy is uh, acting exactly like my kids. And I have never seen that before. Because I, in a way, I, I knew my kids are different, they are behaving different, but I couldn't really say what it is. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that, it really like my brain understood kind of, let's say, you know, and it was the first time that suddenly I felt all this deep pain inside me, like thinking, okay, maybe this is the reality. Maybe my kids are autistic, you know, and it was like my first eye opener. And with that, it started that I had really a very, let's say, difficult phase where I felt so much sadness. Like suddenly all this, what all the worries I didn't have before, they just opened up, you know, all the emotions came up at once. And um, it was like several weeks that I was just, I remember I was just crying and crying. It doesn't matter what I was doing. I was just crying because I felt so much like pain inside me and I couldn't even define what it is, no? Mm -hmm. So, but after I went through all the pain and I found different techniques how to, let's say, release this pain or work with my emotions, that really helped me, you know? And then also I reflected about a lot what means acceptance for me, like accepting the situation because accepting can mean different for for everyone no and mm -hmm. i think what i suffered the most especially if you know you go to work or anywhere you go people always ask about your children and at a certain moment i i didn't remember anymore like to who did i tell this or who not because at a certain moment you kind of need to explain because um, of the delay, why my kids could stay longer in the kindergarten or not, you know, all these things. So I've kind of felt I was not telling the truth to people or I had to hide something, you know, because I felt very much that this topic of autism or any dis disability is still a taboo topic in, in our society. So yeah, it um, took me a while, but um, I realized for me what means accept is that I can freely talk about it. So I decided for myself, okay, I will accept the situation and I will talk about it with anyone and with like anywhere, you know, trying to be as uh, neutral as possible that um, it's not something what I need to hide, you know, but that I talk about it in an open way. And I, I had very positive response uh, with that. 
Um, it really depends also on the person, like some don't really know how to react to that. Um, others are very, you know, also worried. Uh, it, it really depends, but I can see in general in society, all these topics are still kind of a taboo topic. Mm. So what does the autism look like, if I can put it like that, with your children how old are they now? Five and a half. And and you've told me that they're sort of the the most advanced or um, most dependent level of autism. So so what does that look like in the everyday life? Okay. So first of all, autism. I mean, it's called. Uh, autism spectrum no so um, that is a very wide spectrum it can be a person uh, they call it like high functioning so if in autism a person is high functioning um, that means that uh, those people can you know speak they can read they can put clothes on they can do all the daily things without any help let's say they can kind of have a normal life uh, but in my kids, it's um, in Spain, I don't know how it's in other countries, but they talk about the dependency and my kids have the highest dependency. So they really need to have uh, a person with them all the time to do whatever they need or want, you know. So that really means, um, yeah, my kids are five and a half years now they are actually quite tall as well for their age but they are still acting very much like babies so many things what maybe one year old kids can do they cannot do um, one of the first things we had to train a lot with the kids was um, to point at things uh, you know usually a child if they are I don't know eight months old or something, uh, they can point at things. No, For example, they are hungry. They can point to something they want or they see something. They point at that. My kids couldn't do that. So we had to um, really train also with the therapy, but as well at home to kind of, you know, uh, put their finger as they are pointing and pointing at what they want to have. Um, so even I think um, the bigger one, he learned it with after he was four years old, you know, so all these things. So now at least he can point at things what he wants. And because, of course, they are nonverbal, everything is very, yeah, with the hands, no, very active. So if they need something, they pull us in the arm to bring us to the place they want to have something, like, for example, to the kitchen to have food or whatever it is. Um, so in, in that sense, they, they need a lot of help as well. For example, you know, putting the clothes on, showering, it's like very, it's imagine like you are, you are helping like a baby, but they are in a body of a big child, you know? Okay. And I'm curious because you, you said the bigger one. So is one, one of your children bigger than the other? Even though yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, in, in the cesarean, one was born um, earlier, one minute earlier than the other, but he was always a bit bigger. Yeah, that was just, so I always refer to the bigger and the smaller one. Okay. <laughs> Maybe one thing what was very difficult for me also as a mother was um, the eye contact and the physical contact with my kids. Because um, in in the case uh, of my kids, as, as I mentioned, like the spectrum can be very wide. There are 
um, certain things a child, um, let's say, uh, can have, like, for example, sensory issues or, um, yeah, that they don't want to look into the eyes. Or there are many, like, aspects what uh, belong to the autism spectrum, but not every child is the same, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, it can be very different, even within between my kids, I can see they are very different in some things, no? And for me, I think um, being a mom, it was very difficult, the part of physical contact, because some of autistic kids, they don't like to touch or being touched. So I remember I'm, a, you know, I am always imagined if I'm a mother, you know, you take good care of your child, you want to hug your baby, you want to hold your baby, uh, also, especially if they are not feeling well. And I could not do that with my children many times because they rejected the touch or the hug, you know, they didn't want to be close. So I think as a, as a mother, especially this part was the, the hardest one, the emotional connection. No? Uh, and also the, that maybe I come work, uh, I come home from work and they just completely ignore me, for example, no? uh, these kind of things. And it's not because they don't love me or anything. It's just the way they perceive things or uh, they feel sensitive in a moment. But uh, mm -hmm. luckily in, in the case of my kids, this was also changing. So now they they ask much more to, for physical contact if they want it. Like for example, the bigger one, he he's really like a baby. He all the time wants to be in touch with me or with anyone. So it's interesting. And the other one is um, once wants to have physical contact in certain moments, like, for example, when he goes to bed or something. Sometimes he asked me to go with him to, to the bed to sleep um, when it's bedtime. But then sometimes he wants to have one meter of distance between us. And other times he wants to be really close with me. So it really depends also on their mood and how they are feeling. But um, yeah, this was something I, I struggled a lot as a mother. Mm, I see. Okay. And okay, well, first of all, so they're twins. Are they identical twins? Do they look very, very similar? Uh, no, they are being bigger. They they are non-identical. So it is like they are two brothers who were just born at the same time, let's say. Okay. Okay. So it's interesting. They also have um, physically as well, um, both aspects from both our families. So it's very interesting. And what about their interaction? Do they like spending time together? Are they often doing the same things or are they um, very independent? No, no, there's basically no interaction at all. Um, many times in autism, the kids are in their own world. So they just like to, to do things by themselves. So this is another difficulty because between them, there is no interaction at all. Uh, unless there is, for example, food or a toy involved, what the other one wants, then of course they try to take it away from the other one, but otherwise they don't really pay much attention to each other. And uh, this is the same with, with us, no? Like when it comes to playing with them, it's very difficult to play because it's a different way of playing. 
and they are very active. So their main activity is basically running the whole day. And then beside that, each one has their own interests, like um, uh, the bigger one, he loves cooking books, for example, he loves food. So what he does all day is just to look through recipe books, you know, uh, like very concrete um, interests. The other one, he really likes uh, small items and he never likes to put items like together. He loves to have many different pieces and observe them from different angles, etc. So these are many times like activities where it's very difficult that we can interact with them. No, But it's also something we, we try to improve through therapy, etc. And in all of this, you and your husband have been have had to work have great teamwork right as i can imagine um, exactly. and it sounds it sounds to me like you really have been successful there um and and please uh, elaborate on that because even at the beginning when when you speak about all all of the projects that you're involved with and all of the activities that you like to do there must have been a lot of communication between you and your husband and, uh, you know, conveying this need and desire that you have to do these things with him. I mean, there has to be that, that partnership of, and that yeah. communication and then having the twins and the autism as an added aspect on top of that. So I'm very interested to know about your yeah. partnership. I feel very lucky because I feel that we have a very, you know, stable and grounded relationship. Um, we are together for over 14 years, but of course, especially when the kids were born, it's just such a big challenge, which we had to really grow together and to learn and especially also to see that each one of us is okay emotionally stable and everything know that we are both balanced in our own way to be like functioning in the day-to-day -day, no to be to be fine and balanced so that means a lot of communication between us first of all like um, what are the needs of each one of us to feel okay? No, so uh, for example, in my case, I'm very active, as I said. So um, I I need the sport dancing activity. On the contrary, my husband is a very homey person, so he doesn't really want to go out much or he doesn't um, need sports and all these things. So he needs more different alone time, no? like uh, he writes. So he would, uh, for example, wake up earlier to have his time to write his stories, etc. Um, so th this is uh, kind of his time or maybe in the evenings he, he wants to meet up with uh, his friends online to play whatever computer game or something uh, uh, sometimes. No? So we had to kind of define what each one of us needs. Um, and then beside that, of course, that each one can have 
alone time to go out without kids, no? to have this break um, from our everyday life, to meet with our friends. So we have the agreement that once per week we go out separately, each one, so we can find kind of this this balance. No? But then as well, all the decisions about, okay, who goes to work or how do we distribute the time management of working? No? Because uh, I'm full-time working, I have my side business and my husband um, has kind of like two jobs plus a side business. So kind of really we had to really be very strict with the time management as well. No? So it's all about, I think, talking and see the needs of each one and really support each other. No? Same with the household, for example, to see, uh, okay, what, what tasks do you like to do and what other one likes to do or maybe things we don't like to do and both don't like it to kind of separate it half half no so mm -hmm. i i think it was really good collaboration in in everything no because what i see many times in in families or when i hear from other mothers is that many times the husband is not helping as much at as home no um so this i was very lucky that we are really supportive of each other and we really share all the tasks, no? Mm, wonderful. And these agreements that you have in place, for example, the alone time and the going out once a week separately, are these things that have naturally come up in, in communication or has there been fric friction where you've gotten into arguments and then you had to figure out a plan and you made this agreement or, or just as a way to support the wellness of each other you could identify that that was a need like how did that agreement come about actually i don't re even remember it was very natural i would say like uh, we would see like of course our day-to-day -day is very stressful and then if a person is not okay we would talk okay what do you need etc no and then we would find out things or activities what we can do to support each other. No, mm. uh, I think gratitude is also a very big thing. Um, uh, you know, in mindfulness, one practices gratitude. And um, one way we integrate it in our life is, for example, before we go to sleep, um, we would list each one of us uh, three things we are grateful for in the day. And, um, you know, even the day was really difficult or stressful, there's always something you can be grateful for. Mm -hmm. So with this practice, we are doing this for many, many years now. I don't even remember how it started, but I think that also helps, you know, to have even it doesn't matter how difficult any situation is. Like if you have gratitude, you can have a very different perspective of life. And I think this also bonds a lot together no <laughs> wow that's so inspiring thank you so much for that and so okay so we've talked about you entering into motherhood we know a bit about what you do um as a coach now and also with your full-time job and talked about your partnership with your husband so so tell us how did you get into coaching and yeah just getting more into this uh, living a balanced life and mindfulness and and now wanting to share that with others how did that happen for you 
Um, so it's very interesting because I felt many, many synchronicities in my life. So I felt I was in a very kind of guided through the universe with all the things and activities I do now. Particularly coaching, how that happened is that, um, well, I, I mentioned in the beginning that I was doing this uh, intensive one-month course, um, which also included coaching, a lot of journaling and meditation. And really all this topics of personal development, but in connection with meditation and spirituality, that really fascinated me a lot. And um, yeah, I, I somehow felt that it would be interesting actually to see the other side, you know, how it, it is to be a coach. And um, so actually at my work in IBM, uh, every year we need to do like 40 hours of, um, they call it Think 40. And it's basically to, to learn something beside your job, you know, in your, in your working time. So uh, they have different courses and stuff. And um, there was this uh, coaching uh, course where you could learn. I mean, of course, it was uh, longer than 40 hours. Um, but basically where you go through this uh, course of coaching and you become a coach in the end. So this is what I did. Um, I was just curious, what is it uh, if you are a coach, how you can help other people and how you can also integrate that into your life. Yeah, so this is how it happened. And since then, I'm especially coaching in IBM as well. It's not my uh, main job, but it's something what also fulfills me, you know. I'm a person, I really like deep conversations and, you know, to help people connecting with themselves to understand them better and uh, to also give them tools no, to how to be to live a, a good life or a fulfilled life and all this also yeah connected with with my crafting classes or my mindfulness workshops yeah it was a very smooth let's say journey mm. and what do you think people's biggest challenges are when it comes to living balanced lives and, and mindfulness like what is what do you come across in your work that people are struggling with the most I would say that many times you know people are kind of unhappy about their situation but they are also not changing anything you know and as we know if you don't change anything also nothing will change with your situation mm -hmm. so I think many times uh, it helps for someone to have a coach to have some guidance in a way you know I mean of course there is a lot of uh, also uh, things you can do to coach yourself that's also possible you know through um, coaching questions uh, through journaling all these things like self-work but I believe many times it's also nice to work with a coach because you don't feel alone, no? And you have someone who is guiding you. And um, yeah, it definitely also helps to have a different perspective because many times we are just stuck in our problems and we can't see what is beyond, no, or the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And as a coach, you are kind of trying to see it from an 
objective viewpoint. No, mm -hmm. so then there are many things. Also, I like to work with the inner child, for example. No, there are many things like many beliefs we have from our childhood. Uh, what just developed in us and many times when you are inside you don't see those things you don't see why you are behaving this way or that way or why you have certain results in your life no mm -hmm. and I think uh, that with a coach you can see that more clearly or can have this kind of realization moments no mm -hmm. precisely yeah I couldn't agree more with that it's I mean from my own personal experience of of working with a coach now I'm a coach but my first experience of working with a coach I, I really felt seen and heard almost for the first time and that in itself was so emotional it was yeah. like whoa somebody's here with me somebody's supporting me in my biggest challenges right now well okay so now we're wrapping up um okay. and let's first tell us do you have any exciting projects that are coming up that we can, you know, keep our eyes open for uh, to support you and to get into your work? Anything exciting happening? Yeah, I have um, many, many ideas and I, I'm trying to see how I can put them, you know, into action. Um, right now, well, I was giving all my sessions, you know, the crafting classes and um, mindfulness workshops. I mainly gave them in English in the Madrid Center. And um, now I moved to the village uh, in the north of Spain. So obviously here, not so many internationals. So one of my uh, goals this year is to do like more classes or courses here present in the village in Spanish. I started last year already with a Spanish session, so that's working well. Um, just trying to, you know, expand here. That is one project. Uh, the other one is I, I would like to create a podcast about, you know, autism and autism awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, that's another and as well some online courses. Um, I mean, all the courses I'm giving, you know, always about different topics, also about journaling and stuff. Um, I would like to put them into an online format so I can put that out there. Um, as well, one idea is to create a course for parents whose kids are autistic, how I can um, how they can find balance as a couple, no? exactly what I talked about before as well, and to, to embrace the autism and how you can work with that as a family and as a couple. No? So, yeah, I have many, many ideas and I need to see how, how I can put that into place if, if this year or the next years, but yeah. Wow, that sounds fantastic. I definitely hope you will be able to do those things um, because I think it will be great and so tell us your your website or how to connect with you and of course I'll add it in the show notes as well but let's tell us where we can yeah so yeah. my website is www.graciafieldberg.com so it's just my my full name 
And there you can see my different activities and workshops I'm giving, and um, there are my contact details. So if you are interested in any, you know, one-to-one -one sessions or something, you can let me know. I, I did give also several uh, online, you know, mindfulness workshops about different topics. So if that's something what people are interested in, um, I, I could do that as well. So yeah, would be happy to connect and support. Fantastic. And to to close, I would like to ask you, what is the one practice or thing that you do to connect with or support your inner wellness, your inner well-being that, um, yeah, that you do and that you can be inspired by and, and possibly learn from as well? Um, two things I do on a regular basis, and it helps me a lot to balance myself. Uh, one is journaling. Uh, there are many, many different ways of journaling, but uh, what I use when I'm very, you know, stressed and I have a lot in my mind is just to put it out on paper, just write um how you are feeling and let it out you know it's very important so that all this kind of energy doesn't get blocked inside you and i especially like it as well because it's kind of you know sometimes you don't have a person to talk to or you don't want to burden another person so journaling really helps me because i can just put out whatever is in my mind and this helps me, you know, to clean all these negative emotions inside me, you know, or the negative, um, yeah, energy. Another one is um, EFT technique. I don't know if you know that one. It's called emotional freedom technique. Yeah, it's a tapping well. technique. And uh, basically, is um, we have different, you know, um, meridians like energy points in our body and um, you can use that to tap those points with your fingers while you are saying what is your issue for example if you are stressed with a self-loving affirmation and then while you do that it really releases as well again all the blocked energy inside you you know and that that's really something I use a lot to to help me balance, no, or to put all the stress out. And I I feel the difference immediately. Wow! Thank you so much for that, and thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Inner Wellness Woman. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did. Please comment, please write to me what you liked about it. And of course, share it with someone you think would benefit from the message and continue the conversation there. All right. See you again soon.